Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there. This is Jose Ignacio Alfaro, producer of Are We Still Talking About This?, in this episode, Jessica and Adam speak with Nancy Jo Sales, journalist, best-selling author, and director of the HBO documentary Swiped, hooking up in the digital age. They discuss the evolution of dating and how greed and corporate misogyny are fueling our current dystopian techno nightmare. Want more episodes of Are We Still Talking About This? Subscribe and rate on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Enjoy! Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So we're so happy to have Nancy Joe Sales in the studio today. She was kind enough to come on this windy day, and she's got so much going on. I was so excited about her film, Swiped. Swipe sounds gross. It reminds me of like getting a pap smear, and which is funny because it so is, which it's necessary, and it's all, and it feels like it's necessary to also do online dating. But your film makes me realize that you know made me realize forget it i'm no longer i'm deleting raya even though i was approved it's all it's over well i guess the thinking behind swiped which was originally called hookup but we thought um as we got into it that the name hookup was a little reductive it became more and more as i talked to more and more people and especially the heads of some of the big dating companies that this was really about corporations and how there is a sort of corporate technological invasion of the dating space that's affecting all of us. So Swipe referred to the Swipe mechanic that Tinder invented. And I felt that it was sort of an echo of what's being swiped away from our lives when we accept the notion that we're all just 
commodities in this endless stack of, you know, this shopping spree that we can go on on dating apps, what's being swiped away? Well, time and attention and sometimes love and intimacy and trust, treating people as real people instead of things that you can order like seamless. I made a documentary about mail order brides, and there is more intimacy in that. The men, they travel across the globe to meet these women. They write love letters. I mean, they go they go far. Yeah, they go far to convince themselves that they're not <laughs> engaging in human trafficking. <laughs> I mean, but that's a pretty telling indictment of the online dating industry, what you just said, because if you're someone who has looked at both and thinks that, I mean, think about what we're dealing with. <laughs> Where's their hope? Where's their hope? Should I just walk up to strangers? Should I talk to people on the train? Like, what? what, what is the solution? I would like to tell you what I think about online dating, and I will, but what most people say is, but my cousin got married and they met on Tinder. And sure, we all know that person who met on Plenty of Fish or whatever. And the, the New York Times loves to put in their vows section ads about people who met on Tinder and got married. And in fact, when I went to Tinder and interviewed the people there, Jessica Carbino, who was then the sociologist at Tinder, that was her job. She was the sociologist at Tinder. She, I, she said to me like, well, everybody gets married, you know? And I said, okay, where's the data? Like, how do you know this? And, and she said, well, there's been 23 marriages in the vows section of the New York Times. And, you know, that's not data. You know, that's just the New York Times wanting to look hip or something, or I don't know what they're trying to do by saying, this is what the kids are doing, this is life now. But actually, if Tinder, and I am not, I don't mean to like, you know, just focus on Tinder because there are now thousands of dating apps. If they are true to what they claim, that they have a billion swipes a day, and however many millions or hundreds of millions of matches a day, and there's 23, if that's your data... There's 23 marriages in the New York Times. Well, that doesn't speak very well for what we're talking about in terms of percentage-wise, who is actually finding a lasting relationship. I don't think that's their goal. That's not their goal with these platforms. Right. I recently joined Raya, and I thought that would maybe be like the LinkedIn of dating. But with Raya, it's supposed to be these are people in the industry, people, professionals. You have to be approved. There's a whole process. However, I have found that there are frauds. There are people who pose as industry individuals, and unfortunately, they're not. And I'm sure with Raya, they're just using that as a marketing hook in the beginning. Kind of like Facebook did a similar thing when they were building around you see some academic. famous people whatever, academic institutions, <laughs> and then they remove that scaffolding and just become another yep. dating app. Well, look at Facebook. I mean, do any of us really have any illusions anymore? Any Anybody who's read the news in the last two to three years, how can you have any illusions anymore about what Facebook really is? I mean, the marketing is so at odds with what their actual goal is, which is to take our data, turn us into products, you know, deliver us up to multiple other advertising, you know, venues to manipulate our ways of thinking to, to spy on us. I mean, there's some there's some evidence that Facebook has been in, you know, cooperating with government agencies. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, in terms of, you know, monitoring people. So I think that <laughs> I don't want to use the word evil because that's that's really, you know, that's something that people that's a word that people don't like to use, but I I think that lying to people about, you know, your intentions as a company and stealing from people, stealing their privacy and their 
the most private things about them, allowing really with with very very little monitoring whatsoever things that are just abhorrent to us or should be as human beings just break all the boundaries of human decency like non-consensual sharing of nudes which are all over facebook which i've seen all of the time and like showing people being killed and murdered and raped and all these kind of things i mean come on it's like i think at a certain point i wrote something for somebody the guardian and it just because i think that this elderly man happened to be an african-american man was murdered and his killer videoed it because that was what the sick killer wanted to do. It was on Facebook for a long time before anybody even noticed or took it off. I just think this is like a Roman Colosseum. Why do we necessarily think that any of these big dating companies are really any different in terms of what they really want, which is our money? That's the bottom line is the bottom line. And they're making so much money off of this, you know, our very human need for connection and our need to have love and, you know, intimacy in our lives. They create loneliness and then by making that ever more difficult to find, it was never easy. And then they exploit that loneliness by giving this illusion that you're, you know, if you just, just, just more swipes and, oh, what about Tinder Plus? And if you do the boost, that's only $5.99 a month or whatever it is. And it's on all of these platforms, right? They get you hooked in with these these mechanisms that were designed to be addictive. I mean, really, like BF Skinner type, you know, social conditioning type things that they they devised and told me about it in the film Swiped. If you want to see it, it's on HBO. So, um, yeah, and just speak about it in this, you know, casual way. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, we're using all these, like, things to manipulate people. But you could still find love. I mean, so whether it's, I'm just trying to say like whether it's Raya or whether it's Bumble or wh- whatever it is, they're just trying to get you in the door. Right. I always thought I was too good for um, online dating. I thought I thought of it like uh, self-publishing. Right now it's like everyone can do Twitter. But after, you know, for a very long time, I was like, it's frowned upon to do online dating, just like it's frowned upon to have a blog. Right now it's okay-ish, but still it's the same kind of, for me, it was the same thing. Like, oh God, I, I'm a person who meets people who's, I'm out and about. I can't be on online dating. Well, what's really insidious about all this <laughs> is they've made it, they've, they've changed the culture. They've, in an unprecedented move, and unprecedented meaning like tens of thousands of years of how we've evolved to meet and what, you know, evolutionary biologists and psychologists call mate mm-hmm. what biologists call mate it, it, and it was again never easy all i'm saying is like they in an unprecedented way they have overwhelmed and overtaken now it's only this way the thing that i get from so many people you know who complain to me about this when i interview and the, the thing that people seem to be upset about the most is what you're saying there's no other way now they, it's a corporate no takeover. i'm going on linkedin now it's fine there's a way <laughs> Well, th- but that's still social media. I know. And I think a, a trick that they were able to pull is with that <laughs> long evolutionary history of meeting people, there's all these safety cues that are built in. So when I'm in a room with somebody, I can I can pick up looks on their faces or how they move and how or how they act. And a lot of that is geared towards uh, predictive behavior. So is this person going to be safe for me? And now we've given them a way to completely falsify who they are. All the interactions can be organized and stayed. And you can present this persona instead of actually having to uh, engage on a real level. And I think that's what bothers me the most. Not only could you uh, 
take your cues from the person in the room, whether they look you in the eye, what you you know your your gut sense of who they are. Which again, evolution, um, we've evolved to communicate really only I think seven percent verbally. Mm-hmm. So many other things are going on when you're talking to someone. Not only are you there being able to gauge who this person is, but your community was your friends and your family. And again, there's all kinds of ways that this was used to uh, control women because, you know, uh, parents would often say yay or nay to a certain person and you can marry this person, not that person. And that's, that's, that's not okay. But there were people who could pick up on cues for you as well if you had fallen into that, that love state where you were just seeing someone through rose-colored glasses, which happens too. Like, you know, you can't really know someone from uh, a profile picture or whatever at really at all. Like you said, people lie. But also even dating someone, you don't really know them. Like even in the past, you don't really know them for a long time. You know, people hide and lie and do all kinds of things even before all this. So this has just made it easier for people to lie. It's so funny. I recently had a conversation with a young woman about this, about that question. So what are you looking for? Because she said, oh, look, not, not to man bash. Okay. This, man bash away. Yeah, you can. This is what I hear from yeah. young women and this particular young woman. She's, I'm quoting, okay? She said, they always say, I'm just looking to meet nice people and see, see what happens, right? See what happens. Or hang out. Oh, and then the, or, or they'll say, like, I'm just looking, I'm kind of looking for a relationship, but, you know, not really sure. We'll see what happens. If you say to them what she's done, oh, really? Oh, sorry. I just want to fuck. They'll come back. With, well, I'll just fuck. Sure, well, of course, I'll just yeah, fuck. Like, <laughs> why not? You know, like, I mean, so, I mean, I don't know. I think that they're called, colloquially speaking, hookup apps for a reason. I, I think that that is what they were designed for. Really, that's what the speed and the, the kind of, you know, it, Nick Bilton, who's a great, uh, you know, the great tech writer, he works for Vanity Fair. He is interviewed in my film Swiped, and he says all these, he says all these great things, including um, these things were designed by boys. They're not men. They're boys. That's Nick talking. But he also says, you know, if they really wanted these online dating companies to people to really connect, they would slow things down, not speed them up. They would slow things down. So that people actually talk and actually, you know, have some kind of time to get to know each other. I personally, after a whole lot of research and talking to people and talking to, you know, not just people who use them, but scientists, I think that they are ruining dating and ruining our ability to find connections. But if you were going to use them, if there were no other way, well, why not just be able to swipe with one person a day, two people a day? It's, it's capitalism. It's consumption. It's this, the model is really capitalist consumption where you can get more and more and more. You know, this grocery store is even bigger. This Walmart's even bigger. There's more aisles. You know, there's more cereal to choose from. And that leads to all of these things like what they call dating FOMO where everyone's experienced it, where you can't ever really decide on one person because this person might be better. That person might be better. She might be hotter. He might be this or, you know, or that or... So there's that problem, and people can't seem to focus on one person. And this, this becomes a problem even into when you do have a relationship with someone. Because it's not just the date. It's what happens after the date or dates when you start to see someone on the regular. I mean, 
it's such a problem that people I talk to have, not just that like it's hard to get, you know, in a relationship with someone, but once you're in there, how can you trust anybody? These little phones are full of people and access to people. I was just talking the other day with a woman who said that um, her boyfriend, and they live together, their kid is in the house. Her kid is in the house, too. They're, they're like a couple, and she is a kid with another guy. And so this guy is like father figure in the house. He started taking his phone into the bathroom with him and putting it in the pants, his like pocket of his sweatpants when he sleeps at night. And I'm like, girl, he's cheating on you. Right? Of I mean, course. <laughs> I mean, like, like she's like, oh, well, do you really think so? Listen, I, I used mean, to sleep uh, with my phone under my pillow. We all know. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing what people will Why do. did you do that, Jessica? I'm just going to give you a look. <laughs> she's looking at me like, come on. Come on, do it for the podcast. Why yeah, did well, you, do you that? know, because we, we I, I guess I, I was I was cheating at the time. <laughs> you so guess. I guess, I mean, I guess, I think I would like to say I was bored, but others would call it cheating. People don't call it cheating anymore. Is that true? I was going to ask you They that. don't, people don't. People well, like to say, you know, because you know why? Because people do not, this is my generation does not define relationships. They say we're hanging out. So I say, well, you're not even my boyfriend then because we're just hanging out. And that means having sex. Yeah, but they won't say, they won't define the relationship, which is why. It's a situationship. It is. And I just, I prefer to just define it. It's just like, we are dating. We are only sleeping with each other. You are my, I'm very like old school in that way. I would like to, but as long as someone doesn't, then well, that, that's so under the pillow. That's so ancient history at this point. I mean, it's, you know, I, I'm not saying like, you know, you're much younger than I am. I'm not saying like, oh, you don't know the ways of these kids today i'm not saying that it's just based on what i've heard that's just so old school at this point it's just not necessary anymore for people to feel like they have to define anything or commit to anyone and so they don't well men in their 30s and 40s and even 50s don't want to commit so it was never easy to get people men or women in our modern society when there are so many options and there. There's there's part of this that's good, right? We're not going to say it's all bad. There's part of this that's good, especially for women. You know, I thank God that I'm not, you know, what would I have done in those days when you had to like sit in the parlor? And this was, this was not, this was like, right. you, you, you would sit in the parlor. And this was two seconds ago <laughs> in the scope of history. You know, it, it, was, it was an nanos- eyelash ago. It was a nanosecond ago, which was that in the 19th century, Parents had a lot of say in who their daughters married. Men would come calling to the parlor. Now, m- women did have some say in it. You, you didn't. It, it wasn't like you had to marry whoever they foisted upon you. But there were limited options. You know, a lot of it was based on whether or not you know this person was economically viable and they could support you and all, all this kind of stuff. I would have gone completely mad. I would have. I would have moved away. I would have gone to New York. Which is what I did anyway, you know, to just get away from that small mindedness. And young women did go to New York and they did go to big cities in the late uh, 1900s. There was actually economic reasons for this. And they started moving into big cities. And that's exactly when we started to have dates because young women were suddenly you know, wriggled out from under the watchful eyes of their parents. And now they were working in big cities and working in factories and sometimes to help support their families. But then they also had some autonomy in terms of, you know, 
meeting men and, and, you know, sometimes even hooking up. Of course, you had to be very, very on the quiet about that. But then you had movies like It with Clara Bow about a woman who, you know, goes on dates. And it was like so, it was just like so revolutionary, like to think that women could just be choosing how to spend their time with men. And, you know, this is all very heteronormative stuff, but th this is what we saw in pop culture. And um, it was exciting and it was fun and it led to the whole flapper era and everything and really the truly first sexual revolution, the, all, the, the real sexual revolution, which was the 20s in America. And so that's, that's when we started having dates. And it was never perfect and it was never easy and there was always problems, especially if you were women or a woman or, or not straight or, you know, it was always difficult. But it wasn't like th there's something about dating. It was never easy believe me i i i lived it but um th there was something about it remember dating in the 90s were you young enough to be dating okay you were just a little i kid. was it was fun it was fun you it's terrifying but exciting yeah. sure it uh, was an adventure it was part of being you didn't have a dossier on the person before you saw them exactly yeah it was you it was serendipitous it was spontaneous you didn't know what was going to happen um were there still like terrible men and and the threat of sexual violence and all these horrible things that nobody talks about enough? Of course, but there was something about it that did feel really liberating and exciting and fun in some kind of way because it was like the narrative of your life that you were making yourself and you could um, choose things. Did guys all want to like fall in love and get married? No, absolutely not. Started to really break up, and that that kind of thing started to really become less and less for certain in the '90s. And I I'm writing a book now, and I'm relating about online dating. I'm relating this actually to the internet. Even before online dating, I think that the internet coming along and creating more options for people, even before like mobile dating, made it less necessary for people to focus on one person. But it was, it was a very very slow burn. What's now? I think the problem is that every date is the same. Everything is the same. It's a corporate thing. It's a corporate model. Can you, you explain that a little more for me as someone who has uh, never used any sort of... Well, because you swipe, you match, you message, then you decide what you're going to do. It's like every... So in advance through like a text thread or whatever... You've never been on a dating app? Never. Really? Yes. How old are you? I am 37. You've never been on a dating app? Not one. Are you... Are you in a relationship? Yes, I'm married now. But okay. I mean, so when did you get married? Three years ago. Okay. So you kind of sort of just missed all this. Thank God. I mean, I, I work better in person anyway. I'm not, you know, I, this, this face ain't going to do it. I have to be in a room and talk to, talk to somebody. So it was never anything that entered my mind of I want to create this artificial profile of myself. Like that just seemed uncouth and gross to me. Well, what I mean about uh, it being a uniform experience now is that instead of, you know, Starting to talk to somebody in line at the deli or meeting somebody right. at work or, or going on a trip and, you know, meeting someone on a plane or, Not, you know, uh, on the, shit, on the beach or through a friend. A lot, lots of things happen through friends at dinner parties. I, I, my first husband I met at a dinner party. It's all the same. You swipe, you match, you go on a date. Or not, or or you just sext or text or this is have, make, make me sound incredibly stupid, but I really didn't realize that is what was going on at that level. Like that sounds like a dystopian nightmare to me. It like, is. Like I use that word all the time about techno nightmare about this. It is dystopian. It is dystopian because it's 
it's programmed, it's algorithms. These algorithms are programmed to send people to you based on all of these weird things. Like just the same way that Facebook says, would you like to buy a mattress today? People say, would you like, you know, Tinder or whoever says, here's Joe for you. Well, yeah, this dating app, it seems like they're just showing me famous comedians and I work in comedy. So I think that's just weird. And, and this is Raya again. It's so Raya. so what they do, if I'm understanding, is it's basically they date a mine. And based yeah, on yeah, some I'll algorithm we're not aware of, they probably know what you're quote unquote in the market for, which I'm sure correlates to what your psychological weaknesses are. And then they're like, here's this person that we feel. Also, it's also it's also really, I read recently, you get certain people based on how often you match with other people. So even though, even what? though, well, yeah, mm -hmm. so you get. Oh, my God, that's a bad idea. It's but. not random at all. What I'm yeah. saying is like, you are, if you're matched on a bunch, you're high up in. It's not like democratic or random. If you're matched on a bunch, you're like high up in the rotation you know because oh look at this person but if you're not like if people aren't like swiping on you a lot you're down in the pool with other people who don't get swiped on a lot. right so it does the opposite of what <laughs> That's it should depressing. be doing right because isn't the whole isn't the conceit that it's at least some sort of democratic system for maybe it's people not, who that's that's an awful evil lie it's I'll not the algorithms are so if that's that's really what should happen if you want to really, really change people's minds about any of this, I don't know. It's just very addictive. People are addicted to it. You go on it just for a few moments and you get addicted. It's yeah. designed that way. But I think reading about the algorithms and how they create them and what they what they say about you when they send you these people is really kind of, I mean, it's appalling. I mean, this sounds like a Black Mirror episode. It is. There was a Black Mirror episode about it, actually. Oh. It wasn't there? I think so. I didn't see it. People told me about it. Where like you swipe on people and they just disappear in real life. Ugh. Like, like oh, I don't yes. want to talk to you anymore. So you, I just go like that. And you just like, go away. What yeah. drew you to this uh, subject matter originally when you started to investigate it? I first heard about Tinder from, uh, it's it's related to my work with, with girls in social media. I, um, 2013, I'd started to see all of these terrible stories you know 2012 was a really big year for uh terrifying horrifying talk about dystopian stories about teenage girls in social media there were a lot of suicides there was a lot of really bad cyberbullying. there was amanda todd who you know um got her nude non-consensually shared by an older man she was i think 15 or 16 and uh killed herself in this very dramatic way by doing her suicide note on on uh line and it's wow. you can still see it on youtube don't don't watch it don't let kids watch it because it's just so, so she i'm not saying don't watch it i i don't like to think that kids would watch it because it's really it's just really one of those things that when i watched it i mean it changed my life because i wanted to know what it changed my life for the better it just got me so upset and it made me want to talk about this and investigate this and find out what the hell. So I went and talked to my boss and I said, what the hell is this? And he said, well, let's find out if it's just these isolated incidents of these things happening, like Steubenville, you know, where they're yeah, like, you know, this horrible case where they posted video of this girl being sexually assaulted. And then people in her town were cyberbullying her adults as well as kids. It was the football team one, right? So it, no, that was different. Steubenville was a party and there were, it was football players involved. Yeah. A couple of guys um, 
anyway, they, they assaulted her when she was unconscious. So this just made my blood boil, and I wanted to find out what, what is this. And as I talk to more and more girls, I'm just hearing these stories, and I'm realizing, like, these horrible things that existed when I was a girl are still there. Like, you want to think feminism fixed it. You know, it didn't. It's even worse now in certain ways. The double standards, the the ways that girls get slut-shamed and harassed, and there's, oh, terrible problems with, like, you know, sexual harassment and all kinds of groping and stuff like that in schools. And it was just, like, mind-boggling that this was going on. I felt very urgent about about writing about it. And, and so I did a story for Vanity Fair. I think they called it Friends Without Benefits. And the opening lead is about Tinder. I'd never heard of Tinder before. I heard about it from a 16-year-old girl in L.A. This is the first time I heard about it. It had really just come out because I'd— you know, kids know everything before everybody else. So when it comes to technology, especially, I mean, they sort of by design, like sort of lead the culture because stuff is like marketed to them. So the 16 year old girl, this is in the story, told me that she she had had her heart broken by some guy. She had found out that he was like messaging all these other girls at the same time as her copy pasting messages, something that's very common. Um, Even now, this is 2013. And she kind of got her heart broken. So she said she had wanted to lose her virginity to him. And there's this great pressure on girls to be sex positive and to become sexual and sexualized and all this kind of stuff. So she's, she said, I, you know, he broke my heart. So what I was going to do is go on Tinder and just lose it to somebody on Tinder, some random dude. Like that was her way of like dealing with it. So I said, what's Tinder? So she, she takes it out of her purse and just like shows me. And I'll never forget the first time I saw it. We were sitting in like a mall in L.A. There's a girl in L.A. And I just thought, oh, no, this is just going to change the world in a really bad way. (laughs) It just looked really because she's 16 years old and she's like getting these matches. It's like ding, ding, ding. And it all looks fun like a slot machine. And then within moments, she's getting these. She's a cute young girl. And she's she's getting these weird messages from older men saying like, hey, want to meet up? Are you available in 10 minutes? Like stuff like that. She didn't ultimately wind up losing her virginity to this guy that she went out on a date with on Tinder, but they wound up hooking up in a mall, in a pottery barn, on a couch. I mean, like, just come on, just like the most depressing sort of thing. And then she, he had wanted her to get in his car. Just this whole scenario just said to me, like, oh, my God. Yeah, well, he was, I think, her age, but still, it was just very, it was, it just seemed, it just didn't seem like. It was a good thing for a 16-year-old girl to be doing. At that time, Tinder allowed 13 to 17-year-olds to be on the app. Really? Yeah. No. 13? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm quite certain of that. Wow. Since then, they have said that 13 to 17, you have to be 18 now, 13 to 17-year-olds cannot be on the app anymore. Of course, they still are, though, because they make fake profiles on Facebook, and there's no age, there's no age monitoring. There was recently an 11 year, this is all, this is, I'm sure of this, there was recently, I tracked these sort of like dating app rapes and sexual violence things that happen in the news, which I'm sure it's just a fraction of what really happens because I'm now writing a book on online dating and this is one of the issues. Recently, an 11 year old girl was raped by a man she met on a dating app. I'm pretty sure it was Tinder. And, um, you know, I mean, they're kids, they're lonely, they're, they're curious, just like you right. were, and you're AOL. Same thing. What if 
that had been like with pictures and, you know, right. who knows if you would have gone out to meet these people. Then it was just like dial up and you just no pictures or anything. You're just typing on your computer and none of this was normalized yet. Now it's so normalized. You know, she's hearing that this is how people date now. And I want to date. I want somebody to love me. I want somebody to think I'm beautiful and all this kind of stuff. That and she's 11 years old. Yeah. So she doesn't have any sort of reference point. And no parents looking at what she's doing on her phone, which I tell parents to do. And they think they do. But, you know, sometimes you can't even really know what they're doing. Just don't give them a phone. I know all parents are like, oh, well, how will they live? They, they don't need it. Believe me. I mean, when I, my book came out, I was very careful. I don't, I don't want to tell you all what to do. It's not my place. But now, whatever. Don't give them a phone. That's what I think. Don't. You don't need it. I had a kid. She's fine. She goes to NYU. She's cool. Like, everything worked out. She has friends. My friend, like, uh, my friend Rami, he has a sitcom coming out on Hulu, and he, he said that his mom gave him a walkie-talkie. <laughs> he didn't have a cell phone. Well, you can get him a, you can get him a, um, a flip phone. No, my daughter had a flip phone where, you know, it's like, it's really hard to text. Oh, yeah. Completely aggravated. It costs $100. I put $100 on that thing, this little plastic AT&T thing. I put $100 at the beginning of the year. It lasts the whole year. I am on the bus. You know, like, they can still contact them. They just don't need these screens that are going to get them addicted, affect their sleep patterns, affect their 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 ability to concentrate, affect their eyes. You know, make them anxious and depressed when they see girls on Instagram that they don't major up to, big air quotes. All this crap. Get dick pics. You know, send nudes. Come on. That's just... So anyway, I first heard about it from this teenage girl, and um, that was my first introduction to it. And it just seemed like, wow, this is going to change everything. And it did. And I'll never forget the first time, actually, in... The film swiped when I, you see, there's a moment where there's an evolutionary psychologist. A lot of feminists don't like evolutionary psychology, which I understand because it's been used in ways to like be sexist against us. Like you're this way because of this. I don't, I don't. Racism too. There's a little bit of a racist issue with that. It it has been used that way. But on the other hand, well, this guy, David Buss, he he writes about, he, he, he studies and writes about sex and dating. And on the other hand, like, we can't deny that we come from somewhere. We did something. If we want to change our behavior, let's change it. But let's, or if we want to change attitudes, let's change them. But, like, we kind of have to know some information about what we did before. It's, it's useful to just understand who we are. It's insane to ignore. It's positively insane. I think so. But anyway, so I'm just saying that the, I, I showed David Buss, who's this, like, renowned evolutionary psychologist, Tinder. And there's, <laughs> you can see in the film when he's looking at it. We, we don't have the moment where he looks at it for the first time, but we show him looking at it. And he's just fascinated. And I remember he looked at it and he said, oh, my God, because this is unprecedented. I think someone else I interviewed, a scientist from the Kinsey Institute, said we're in completely uncharted territory. We just don't know this, this is going to do to us eventually. You know, how can we know when something's so different? than what we've experienced in the past happens all of a sudden and so globally. I mean, we're talking like hundreds of millions of people in every country. So when a company like Tinder um, knows or is confronted about that they facilitated the rape of an 11-year-old, one would hope that that would be some sort of crime. So then how how do their lawyers justify that? They say nothing. They do nothing. They act like it never happened. They don't have any response whatsoever usually and except you know some sort of 
corporate uh, platitudes that oh, we want everybody to be safe. But the real the real problem with all of these online dating companies and online uh, companies in general is Section Two Thirty. Everybody who studies this stuff is, talks about it's the problem is Section Two Thirty. Section Two Thirty is a part of the um, Communications Decency Act of I believe nineteen ninety six. It's a long thing. Wikipedia, whatever, Google, but it's Section 230, which basically says that these companies cannot get sued for third-party actions on their platforms. It's something that protects social media companies and uh, internet servers and uh, online dating companies as well from any sort of legal action for anything that happens on the apps. I'm a deeply cynical person, so in my mind, I would assume that they knew about this and thought to themselves, well, maybe I can use this for an unfettered economic model. Do you think that's true at all, or they just kind of happened upon it? Who? Uh, the tech companies. Like, like, did they have the foresight to know, well, we're basically indemnified if we facilitate They this are stuff. indemnified. They're, they're all indemnified. I think that how a lot of these, I mean, as Nick Bilton, the tech writer, describes it in our film, a lot of these companies, whether they're online dating or whatever, just happen because it's, a you know, like Facebook. It's a bunch of guys, usually guys, because they're the ones who get the money and they're the ones who get the backing and get the chance to do it. And they're sitting around in a college dorm room or sitting around in their, you know, hovel of an apartment saying, like, how can we make an app? Right. You know, <laughs> like, what can we make? I know. Let's make an app where Guys like us can get laid. Right. You know, that's so now their sweatpants scratching their, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> that's kind of how it happens, yeah. I think. I could see it. Yeah. And then Whitney Wolf comes along and gives her twist, which is, well, no, mine is feminist because only women can talk first. But I just don't think. Oh, believe me. I met a psychopath <laughs> on Bumble. They've Bumble. had Sadie Hawkins dances for a while. <laughs> you know. It's I'm exact same get design as Tinder, for- exactly. And also what I heard from guys that I interview about this is like, no, they like Bumble because, and I'm quoting someone, then I know I can smash because I've already gotten the nod from the woman that she likes. Me. So it's some fucked up implied consent. Exactly. Yeah, that's fun. Jesus Christ. That's what I think. I mean, Whitney Wolf and I, uh, you know, to her credit, she, even though the film Swiped is not uh flattering to bumble or any dating app at all she reached out to me recently because um somebody said what do you think of the serena williams ad because serena williams did a bumble partnership kind of about how feminist you know is bumble i love serena williams no nothing but love for serena williams who is you know serena williams but somebody said to me on twitter or something what did you think of that? Because you're such a critic of how Bumble isn't really as feminist as its marketing, you know, alleges. And I said, well, you know, and so I just, you know, I, I said my thing about how I, I think it's a lie <laughs> that Bumble's feminist. I don't think this is feminism. I think it's just a way of, you know, using feminist discourse to sell a bill, you know, so sell something to, to women. And uh, it's all about money. And I, I didn't at anybody. I didn't, you know try and blow it up anyway. I, I don't really have a lot of followers on Twitter. I just was like answering somebody who asked me. And so the Bumble marketing team or Bumble, Twi- Bumble Twitter tweeted at me, oh, Nancy Joe, we know you're an incredible person. If you're having trouble getting a relationship, 
you just need to reach out to us. DM us privately and we can help or something like that. And I was like, what? And then I was like, wait, what are you saying? So my critique of Bumble as like a reporter, a journalist, a writer, a filmmaker, my critique of online dating is all because I don't have a boyfriend. Oh, that's real feminist. What a mind fuck. Right? So... So I was like, I sort of said, huh, that's, that's, and all these people said like, oh, that just kind of proves your point. So Whitney Wolf heard, she's now married, did not meet her husband on Bumble, met him on a skiing trip in Aspen. I just happened to know that because, anyway, because I study this stuff. And so she reached out to me, she said, oh God, we're just so sorry. And we're just so feminist over here. And we wouldn't want to ever imply yada, yada. And she sent me these long emails, like, I don't know, five or six, like really long, really long emails about how feminist they are and just as a woman who has you know suffered from sexual harassment myself i'm just here trying to make the world a better place for women and all this stuff going on and on and on and it was just really very like the lady doth protest too much because i was just answering back like hey you know uh, and she wanted to partner with me and all this kind of stuff and i was just sort of like hey you know what i can't do that i just think that the very nature of what you're doing here is is just never going to work. So, I, and this is a cap, you're a businesswoman. You're a capitalist, you're a businesswoman. You're trying to make money. You know, thanks for reaching out to me. Oh, and also I told her that this friend of mine who had gone on a Bumble date recently, because it doesn't, you know, just because you're on Bumble, it doesn't change men. And it doesn't change, not that all men are misogynist, but we live in misogyny. I mean, I think we're all pretty you know, accepting of that word. Now, you couldn't even say it a few years ago. When I did my book, American Girls 2016, I was counseled not to use the word misogyny because By it who? was, because it was too, well, I'm not going to say because it was, it was just too much. But like a publishing company? Well, I'm not going to say, but, but now so it's like, company. there's a, there's an yeah. article that came out, I think in the Washington Post, like yesterday, like, or day before Washington Post or New York Times saying like, we're now all saying misogyny. Like, yeah, it exists. Like, you couldn't even say it without seeming like hairy-legged Andrea Dworkin reading. She's great, by the way. Everyone read her. Feminist, you know, um, vilified for no reason. She's genius. So, I just think it. Bumble's marketing kind of suggests to women, like, if you use this app, it will all be different. Everything about it will be different. And uh, your experience will be so different. But it doesn't change misogyny. It doesn't change men. So, I t- was talking to this young friend of mine she said she went on a bumble date and she said i w- tried to get to know him and went on three dates so i'm having sex with him and he just fucking hits me in the face like slaps me in the face like fucking tony soprano like <laughs> and i was like and she said i didn't say i wanted to do bdsm or it wasn't like an agreed upon thing he's just fucking hitting me while we're having sex so i told this to whitney wolf on the email and i was like see like it's not just you it's the idea that your marketing says that this is gonna make it all different it's not she said oh i'm so sorry for your friend if there's anything we can do to help her and all this kind of stuff i mean come on it's like it's thank you for for offering that but your lip service does nothing for the you know untold numbers of women who who deal with this stuff on a regular basis right you know, talk about that because we know that guys at Tinder aren't going to do it. If you're a feminist and you run a feminist dating app, then let's talk about misogyny instead of, you know, how Serena Williams likes your app. Let's talk about misogyny. Let's do that. 
How how do these apps make money? Like, um, how does Bumble? Well, you have to buy memberships. So it costs something to sign up for all. So if I wanted to sign up for Tinder right now, what you give them a credit card and they bill you two or three dollars a month, or how? They make so much money. They make money because they get people addicted, and you're on there. It's just like the same thing as drugs. You know, like the drug dealer will give you a little bump. You're like, ooh, that shit is good. And then you well, want more, and then you have to pay for it. Like, oh, you want more swipes? All of social media is a dating site now, though. Yeah, but Are it there is. free versions? You know what I mean? But they, they, I mean, they, yes limit your, no. they limit your ability to swipe. And also, if you're not paying, you're down in the dirty pool. Okay, that answers my question. <laughs> I mean, I hate to put yeah. it like that, but that is true. Right, so so you, the more you pay, the more you get. Utter and complete commodification. Yeah. It's all these things. It's like... See who liked you and, and yeah. pay more and get this and get that. It's a total scam. I don't know exactly which companies do exactly what, but it's also advertising-based. I mean, they have advertising. Mm-hmm. They're selling advertising. And they have to be stealing and mining data, like, I'm sure. Think of all the things they know about people. Oh, my God. One day, it's do people really think that – look at what happened with Ashley Madison. There were suicides off of that. I mean, that was terrible. That was terrible. All these guys who were, you know, cheating on their wives were found out, and there were suicides because of it. Do people re- people talk about everything on these apps, right. like what they're into, what they like, their right. mothers, their fathers, their sisters, their brothers, their work, their this, their that. I mean, the people, you get into this thing with this anonymous stranger, and you feel like you're on a date. You feel like it's you want someone to listen to you. You want you know, like they're tapping into your need for for to reveal yourself to someone and to be heard and suddenly people are talking about all kinds of shit like they're just telling each other and everything. then they unsend it because that, there's that feature but it's but always there they're all on servers right I there's know. no way all of this doesn't even exist. though it, you can unsend something can you now I you can you can unsend i haven't seen that feature well only on instagram direct you can oh. send a message and it could be there they could read it and then you could unsend it i oh. mean am i being paranoid to think that all of that information is sitting somewhere. Of course, of course it is. Right? So, and people are fine. This is, again, is a disconnect for me because uh, just even this conversation horrifies me. But people are fine with the fact that their intimate partner chats and their dating history and overtures. We're just used to it by now. It's sex- the norm. I didn't even know that you, people are sharing nude photos over this. So that it is all in like a please blackmail me location <laughs> somewhere. Well, there was. I just, I, I... I you know, I have this sort of uh, unofficial element of my Twitter, which, again, I don't have many followers at all, but which is sort of like dating apps are rape culture news. And so in my dating apps are rape culture news on my Twitter feed yesterday, I posted this thing about a guy who was doing sextortion. It's called extortion for sexing nudes, whatever, on women he met on Tinder. And he was uh, he was arrested. But He's the one who got arrested. So he was basically running a business, tricking women into giving them nude photos. And then as soon as they did, saying, I'm going to sell, show your entire family if you don't give me money. Okay. So there's this great book, Hate Crimes in Cyberspace, by Danielle Citron, who's a University of Maryland law professor who talks in her film. And she, she really, um, you know, just she's really she, it's a really important book to read, to understand how women are harass online and 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 all of the again this is all kind of new so there's like all these legal challenges to how to really uh deal with it and 
her book has led to some changes in the law. Carrie Goldberg, who's the uh, lawyer who and we, had we just on. had her on. Oh, well, Carrie has a book coming out yeah. soon. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so the same these same issues that these brilliant women are writing about are a factor on in dating app culture too. It's just no one talks about it. It's like if you only read the things that are published in the New York Times and the Washington Post and most mainstream media about dating apps, if you only read from these mainstream media outlets, which are mostly run by, let's face it, white men in their 40s and 50s who assign stories like that to usually white women in their maybe 30s and 40s, which is how, you know, I work in media. I mean, this is how this is how it works. This is who's running the show at these mainstream media yeah. outlets. All you would read is like, oh, but, you know, people are getting married and it's okay. And like that, that's the main narrative. This is just this is just another way we're doing things now. And it's really fine. And look at the New York Times vows section. And there's there's no sort of awareness or outrage. I, I feel like what we need is outrage for the ways in which these companies are hoodwinking people, manipulating people, the ways in which people are abusing these platforms. This is what I have tried to do. And my work is talk about th- this aspect of it. If you could give us a, some, of, some of those headlines that should be written or stories that people should know about that maybe in your rape culture feed, what would some of them be? Um, are dating apps rape, uh, rape culture? <laughs> you know, question mark. And then just you just sort of taking it from there. I actually asked that in the film of the head of, you know, the biggest side of all, Match, which is the umbrella company that, Owns Tinder and OkCupid. And I didn't know that. Yeah. <sighs> match is this dating. I put my grandmother giant. on match, by the way. And then she was like spammed by all these men. <laughs> oh, God. And she was like, get me every day. She's like, you got to get me off match. I'm on the match. I don't want to be on the match. Okay. I'm getting about 50 emails from match. <laughs> They're like, they want to date a MILF. <laughs> yeah, the she. So all her I actually, I feel guilty. I made match <laughs> profiles for a lot of elderly oh women God, in Boca Raton. I have to confess, I made profiles. I took their. I was their photographer. I had them pose by trees, the palm tree. Okay, well, give us some little shoulder, and I made profiles. I wrote the profiles for them, and one of them actually met someone. But you know what? <laughs> I think I've talked to women for my book that I'm doing now. I've talked to older, older women who yeah. are using. Dating apps now, because now it's everybody, right? Because there's no other way to date. And it seems fun and easy, right? That's how it's marketed. And actually, I mean, I don't want to say, I don't really know this for sure yet. I haven't done enough research yet. But what it seems like from the limited research that I've done, it's actually better for older people. I think so. You know why? Because Except for my grandmother, but yeah. Well, sorry about your grandma. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, oh, older people get scammed all the time, too. For sure. got to be careful about that. But when it comes to dating because they don't see the they their their mind is back in the twentieth century, right. like they don't see the meeting as a way to like have sex and date five other people at the same time, and the treads and the groove of their dating behavior is so deeply ingrained that they think you know we're gonna go out to dinner and we're gonna get to know each other and we're gonna you know maybe have sex and like for women in their you know who are older like me. And I'm in my 50s and people who are women who are older in their 60s and 70s. I mean, hooking up doesn't necessarily have the same 
thing going on that it does for younger women that I've talked to where the guy is just so incredibly disrespectful. Like, if we're going to have sex, if we're going to have an affair, you know, we used to call it having an affair. Like, let's make that it. sounds lovely. Let's make it lovely. Let's make it lovely. Let's, like, fuck each other for a while and, like, but, like, be nice to each other and, like, make each other feel special. You know, we we didn't always fucking think, like, oh, and then we're, like, walking down the aisle. It wasn't like that. We used to have this idea that, like, you could do these things, you could enjoy each other, you could have pleasure with each other and fun. And but not feel like you, everything you do had to signal to this person at every moment that you don't care about them. I think the title of the episode is actually going to be called "Let's Just Go Back to Fucking." <laughs> Let's be like fucking <laughs> I'm just with kidding. some respect, yeah, and making someone feel good. You know, there's this idea, and I think this is what I hear a lot from from girls from from young women is that the sense of entitlement in a lot of young men that like if I do the slightest thing. You know, I don't want to make her think I like her. Well, you're fucking her. Like, when, when did that start in your research? And how? Like, ugh. It's hookup culture, which has been percolating for a really long time, but I think really went into overdrive with dating apps. But it got, it started to heat up really with the internet and into the 2000s where, you know, I started to hear this phrase, which I've heard over and over and over again. It's, it's a contest to see who can care less. I mean, that just sounds Jeez. awful. Well, it sounds like the worst possible way to live your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how am I going to guarantee that I waste my gift of life? Well, I won't care about my interactions right. with others. I mean, it's, it's insane. And it's not the way to have uh, a civil society or a just society. It's not the way to have mental health. It's not the way to have, a, you know, a world in which um, you can find love. It's a roadmap for genocide. Like if you were to look at, it's an apocalypse. Yeah. People people made fun of my story, Tinder and the Dawn of the Dating Apocalypse, because they said, "Oh, it's not an apocalypse." I have people still go on dates. Dating apocalypse was a quote. It was a quote within the headline, and I didn't write the headline. My editor did, but I think it was a good headline because that is how it feels to a lot of people. I mean, here we are on the brink, right? Like we are on the brink. No, no joke. Yep. Like. You know, if we don't do something to turn this ship around in terms of like, you know, where we're going with the environment very, very quickly, that's it. Bye bye, humanity. And at the same time, I mean, it's 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 sad, but true. Right. Yeah. And and little kids know this. There's this wonderful girl. I'm, I'm uh, embarrassed. I can't remember her name. I've been reading about her who is leading this climate change movement. Like young kids, like teenage girls are are marching in Europe about this. And it's coming here, too. And uh, I mean, among among this, this sort of wave of of uh, youth, it's already started. But so at the same time, it's, it just seems like so reflective of the same exact thing. It's like we're losing, we're losing our connection to the earth. We're losing our connection to each other. And a lot of it has to do with the way that we're using technology to navigate and mediate all of our interactions with each other. Well, well I'm thankful for technology, for being able to connect with you, to invite you to come on this podcast. So I like talking to you guys. Yeah. Well... Jessica, what are you going to do in terms of your, I don't what know. do you want? See, that's the thing is with young women, a no lot of times idea. they don't know what they want. It's hard to know because if you get married, take it from me, it's not necessarily a bed of roses either. I mean, misogyny doesn't stop 
once you get married. In fact, sometimes it gets worse. You're still taking care of the kids. You're taking care of the house. You know, like he resents you because you make more money than him. Like all right. these other things happen. You still have phones. You can still cheat. I mean, all these other, all these other things are still there. Japanese women are just not doing it. They're just like, I feel, unfortunately, like Japan is kind of the future of here. Sometimes I feel like that. Maybe I'll get a mellow husband. They're just not doing it. Japanese women are just opting out. They're just like, nope, not doing that. My life is just so much better when I... They're not dating altogether? They're just saying we're not going to meet people through artificial means? They're just saying like, nope to men. The heterosexual, Sex robots? Heterosexual ones. That's very sad, but that, that's in my film too. That's coming. Yeah. And it's coming because there's a lot of... Oh, maybe a bad choice of words, but it's because a lot of... <laughs> I think the men had I think a lot of men would rather deal with a robot than a real woman. Right. Especially Actually, if the real woman they're used to is some sort of online avatar, right? It's just a logical next step of if you're someone, personalizing somebody, why not make them a machine? Well, actually, someone that I met online is making a robot of me. I'm not kidding. I, I just I haven't spoke to this person in nine months, ten months, eleven, and they what? sent me a model that they're they're beginning to create a robot. Of me. What you need to have on Wait. your phone is a pre-saved restraining order. I think so you, you should call your lawyer. Plugging in. Yeah, I know. But what this is all about, this is the the reason for if I sound, you know, a little urgent and passionate about it, it's because what it's really about is dehumanization. I mean, that's, and we live in a time when, and, I mean, look who our president is. I hate to get political, but. It's impossible not to. It's, it's yeah. impossible not to. When, when it's become so acceptable to speak. To, for you know, in public discourse, to to talk about people in these these uh, dehumanizing ways, and the, even the president of the United States is doing it. And I think a lot of this has to do, unfortunately, with the online space and how we're just not treating each other with courtesy and respect. Whether whether you're hetero, man, woman, whatever, straight, gay, whatever you are, it just be, it's just people have become more and more disposable, and that's yeah. very dangerous, and. The dating space does matter because it's not some frivolous subject. You know, it's often relegated to that idea because it's women care about it, you know, big air quotes. But really, it really speaks to really who we are. How, how, how are you going to treat the people with whom you are having sex? Yep. Has your research changed the way that you've dated? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, a lot, actually. I've I've had to just in order to survive, in order to survive and not constantly be upset, which I think this is all upsetting. I have had to lower my bar of expectations so low. Just and I'm not saying I ever expected candy and flowers and poetry, although I used to get that, you know, back in the day. Look up the pictures. But I just no, I'm just kidding. But I we we used to at least um think that we were gonna be nice to each other. Remember on Sex in the City when Carrie gets broken up with the post-it note? Yes. And it's like such a shock. I mean, that... Well, now I was thinking about that. Now, now it's like... Now, That's so nice. We would have something to hold on to. Now it's a screenshot. What are you going to go to Kinko's, no, print that out? Now it's not even a post-it note. Now it's like ghosting. You can be having sex with someone for... And I've heard this from so many people. And it's happened to me too for a while. And then they just bounce. And it's like they don't want to have, nobody wants to have a conversation. Right. It's just like, you know, and we never said we were serious. Right. 
Well, in my defense, I will say that sometimes I will ghost the person because I don't want to have to deal with it because I feel threatened or I feel like it's dangerous. And so for women, I think it's a little different. Yeah. For women, I think it's okay. But for men... Well, okay. I I mean... It's it's hard to know what the rules are because right. there's there are no more rules and boundaries and everything is a wild west and, and case we, by case we just don't know. But when it's a wild west, people are people are going to get shot, basically, right? You know, and and so I feel like I've I've lowered my bar in ter- so much in terms of expecting people to just you know be respectful. Not that I will. Not that I will put up with anyone. Yeah treating me with disrespect. I went through a period where I was uh, dating, you know, sort of much younger guys. And, oh, my God, the kinds of things that they, I would just really call them out. And and they would just look at you like so baffled, like, what? Like they, an example. They have not ever been told that that's just not okay. Right. They've just grown up in this culture where girls, women, whoever, you know, just don't have to be, treated like a human being even like what kind of s- stuff is it people saying just mean things or people just being i don't know i'm just trying to i wouldn't say mean I, I mean i'm lucky unlike a lot of women that i've interviewed have gotten those horrible well i've gotten the horrible messages sure but not really so much mean it's just vulgar uh entitled presumptuous this is a few years ago i was in my apartment i was my daughter was on a sleepover or something, and um, this young guy that I was sort of had been on a couple of dates with, he came over to my house and we were like, we we're just having fun, you know, and like drinking, dancing around, talking, whatever. And I got really tired and I said, oh, this was so much fun. I'm going to go to bed. And he said, what? Like, he just expected that he was in my house, so of course he's going to have sex with me. Like, he just expected, like, what? It, like, it was just not even a thing that would occur to him that he would actually be in my house and not, and he said to me like, aren't you even going to give me a blowjob? Wow. Okay. And I've told that story to young women. They're like, oh yeah. And some of them have said to me, I've given the blowjob just to get them out of there. Right. I've all, you know, when I was um, a little younger, I remember I used to always pay for myself on dates or, you know, pick up the check because I always felt in the back of my mind that a man, you know, the man I'd, Go, be going out with would expect sex or expect something especially you know i'd go out to really nice places sometimes i remember one time a guy took me out to a dinner that was about six hundred dollars and i didn't go home with him after and he kind of made a thing about it that's always been actually that's interesting that you bring that up because that has that that tricky transactional element of dating has been a factor ever since dating started because back in the 19 teens and 1920s when women when i was telling you about how women started you know going out on dates with men they often didn't have jobs that were equal in pay to the men right and so the men were expected if you're going to go somewhere to pay right and then there was this question of like am i paying for sex and there's all this kind of like weird stuff around that so i to- i totally hear where you're coming from but the difference now is that now it's just like a lot of the time, honestly, Netflix and chill just come over with. Oh, believe me, the bar has lowered greatly. Okay, like uh, now I'll be disgusted if someone wa- if someone suggests we go Dutch. I'm not. Ha- I am not sleeping with them, or kissing them, or, or, or seeing them or the again. The one that I the one that I used That's to see it. so much was. Can I just come over with a bottle of wine? 
first of all, you know it's going to be some cheap ass wine, right? Like, Trader Joe's, two buck chuck <laughs> that you don't even want to drink. Right. And second of all, like I don't know you, right? Like, why would I let you in my house with a of bottle course. of wine? You know, I was gonna say, yeah, I remember hit me my, on the head with that wine. Remember my great grandmother? She taught me about pet, like petty cash. I remember when I was when I was like ten years old. She said you always have to have a little change purse with like a secret twenty dollars on a date. One day when you go on dates, and then you could take out that secret wallet. I just remember that. I just remember it now. I hadn't thought about that for many years. She gave me this little tiny gold purse that's probably the size of my palm, and it had twenty dollars in it and a bunch of quarters. And she said, "You always just one day you'll bring this on a date." That's one she of never the did. that's one of the things that women of the older generation know about that younger women should listen to. Keep your money. Yeah, but sometimes I also find that older women, women my age, do not understand what their daughters and and younger women are going through, and they can get very judgmental. And dismissive because they don't really get it. Like one thing that is in our film, you know, you hear a lot from older women is like, well, they just give it up too easily. Right. And they just sleep with them too fast. And there's a mother in the film and I love her. She's a wonderful, wonderful mom. And her daughters are great. We interviewed them. But she says this, basically she's saying like why they, that old adage of like, why are they going to buy the cow? It's so it's sure. so insulting when they can get the milk for free. And then the camera shows her daughters and they just have this look on their face like, oh my God, really? Because what's not understood in that, in that whole, you know, framework, first of all, it's, it's slut shaming, but also what's not understood is that like, it's not like there's not a whole bunch of cows out there now. I mean, to, to continue that vulgar image. Right. It's not like women are like, well, I went on the Bumble date and like I didn't have sex with him because I'm getting to um, to train him to know that he has to re- really date me and really get to to know me. Well, he can just go home after your date with him on Bumble and go on Tinder. Right. And and have sex with someone with his other person or maybe other people that he's having sex with. So it's sort of like, you know, th- all of these things that have always sort of plagued women in terms of the power dynamic of dating have only been exacerbated by online dating and, and mobile dating. But I can imagine if I had a daughter and I had to be immersed in this type of research, that would either A, make me um, extremely paranoid, or B, force a lot of conversations that maybe I didn't necessarily want to have. I don't know. I mean, how do you, do you sit down and you talk to her about this stuff? Or of how? course. I mean, you just said a conversation. That's the thing is that you have to talk about these things, you know, and and sometimes it is uncomfortable. I'm, I'm writing a memoir now. It's coming out next year that involves online dating, but also just I've been looking back into my own history with sex and love and dating and all this kind of stuff. And I realized that my mother, as much as I love my mother, she never told me any of this stuff, like never had a conversation with me about it. And I would say that my mom in so many ways was a great mom, but this is a glaring a glaring absence of talk about what is probably one of the most important things that you can talk to your your daughter or son about, which is, well, we have words for it now, rape culture, misogyny, um, sexual violence, all of these things. I was raped when I was 14 years old. And I, I really think that partly why it happened was I just didn't know that it was a, a danger. I mean, of course I knew that you know, like in movies and stuff, like that scary thing would happen. But I didn't know how common it was. I didn't know how much of a thing it was. I didn't know the signs or 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 
ways to protect myself or what consent was or anything. And I spent a whole lot of my life thinking that it was my fault because nobody ever talked to me about it. And I don't want my daughter to ever, God forbid, go through any of that. And it's it's just something that we have to talk to girls and boys about even before they're teenagers, I think. I mean, at an age, in an age-appropriate way. But if you don't, it will happen. It just makes a huge difference. And I'll tell you what else it does. It draws you closer to them. It makes your relationship with them better and more intimate because they, they're, you're sharing with them what they need to know. The silencing of women my age and my mom's age, the silencing of our experience is part of misogyny too. Because if you don't share it, this idea that like if you tell it like oh you're dirty or bad or you know there's something wrong with you why did you put yourself in that situation all this kind of stuff the silencing of all of that makes the younger generation more vulnerable Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 